The challenge though becomes the fact that it may only be 1% of your client base calling in per year, but it's 100% of the calls that your agents are taking. And, and they're typically questions, complaints, et cetera. And so it can almost have this brainwashing effect of making a frontline agent feel like all I hear is negativity. All I hear is a complaint about that one product. It must yeah. be a bad product. And not having that frame of reference to think, well, no, 99% of the people love the product and it's going great for them. It's only that 1% that's calling in, but it's 100% of your experience. Welcome to Conversations That Matter, a podcast from Unifor. Here, we explore the latest customer experience trends, sales insights, innovations in AI and automation, and more with well-known thought leaders and industry experts. Tune in and join the conversation. I'm your host, Randy Kassar. I host a podcast called Conversations That Matter. Today, we are going to be talking with a good friend of mine. Uh, So Mike Aoki, uh, you are a contact center veteran. Uh, You help train contact center organizations for for the better, um, as well as sales organizations. And and you make sure that uh, everyone uh, understands how to improve their customer experience. Uh, You've been doing this for, what, 20 some years now? Is that what it is? It, it, it has been that long, yes. Yeah, and which <laughs> is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we uh, originally met either via the CX Accelerator or via LinkedIn. I'm not sure which one it was, um, but you've been on the podcast before, which is awesome. And you interviewed a couple of, of great guests that uh, we did a day in the life series. If you haven't listened to those, definitely go back in the archives and listen to those. One was with uh, a lady. Um, that ran the Rogers Contact Center organization. Another one was on the Scotiabank side. So great stuff. So excited that you're here. Welcome to Conversations That Matter. Well, thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. So today uh, we want to dive into a little bit about you, but also this is uh, a mini series. It's called the CX Mailbag. So we're really excited to answer the community's questions. And if you have any questions, let us know, put it in the chat. We'll love to hear from you. So, uh, Mike, uh, tell us, um, you know, how did you get started in, in the contact center world? Did you did you work in the contact center? Uh, and, you know, how, how did you get that expertise? It's funny, like a lot of people, you know, in this industry, I just began, you know, as a, as a, as a frontline agent, you know, in a job. It was funny because one of my friends was had a role in the contact center, and they mentioned yeah. that they were hiring. And they asked if I wanted to go and put my name in. So I did. I actually got the job and began as a frontline agent, you know, taking phone calls and, uh, you know, and handling that. And it was just funny. Just, and just went from there because I had a sales background. I later went into sales training. And then with my customer service background, went back into the call t- contact center doing customer yeah. service training. So it's just interesting. And kind of moving into my own business as well uh, to do consulting work. That's so awesome. And it's so, so cool to hear people's backgrounds. I mean, that's what I love about this podcast. It's just, it's not necessarily like the, I mean, I like the day in day out of, of kind of how you uh, are helping improve, uh, you know, contact centers around the world. But just the background that people have is always interesting. So thanks for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> we wanted to start uh, the podcast. Um, oh, and uh, by the way, you're based in Toronto, Canada, which is awesome. Uh, right. I've been there once in my life uh, back when they called it the Sky Dome. Um, mm-hmm. But I know, and you know, I'm based in Palo Alto, California. It's raining right now, and where you are, I heard it's. Kind of cold, very different weather than us. Is that right? It, it is actually. Unfortunately, we just had a little bit of snowfall, not too much, just a little like dusting yeah. of snow. We also had some pretty strong winds, roughly about 60 kilometers an hour, which would be about 35, 35 yeah. to 40 miles an hour uh, of wind. And the temperature right now is probably around, uh, you know, zero degrees Celsius, around 32 Fahrenheit. 
So right. yeah, I got a little bit of snow, a little bit of ice. <laughs> you're, you're, it doesn't sound like you're shoveling your driveway just yet. I was talking no, to- No, but I had to put road salt on it though to kind of ah, dissolve. There you go. Yeah, the mite. I had a, a call yesterday and they were based in Minnesota and they were uh, shoveling their driveway. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> I'm sure that time is coming in Toronto. Not to it be, will uh, be. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> it will be. Several uh, so, months of it, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we, you know, Univor, we've been uh, definitely been doing a lot of outreach uh, with organizations within Canada uh, and being a part of a lot of different organizations there in terms of the context in our world. So we'll talk about that very soon. So excited that you're here. Um, we're going to start off with the first question and then we'll get to the CX mailbag questions. And the first question that we always start off with each podcast is a myth. So from your perspective, what is one CX myth within the contact center that you would like to debunk today? You know, I think one of the biggest myths out there is the whole idea that NPS, net promoter scores, yeah. are owned by the contact center or by customer service. And I know some organizations feel that way or will point at the contact center and say, you guys are responsible for NPS. Yeah, yeah. And that's totally wrong. I mean, NPS, Net Promoter Scores, it's about the, the customer's overall experience with an organization. And that's everything from the look of the website, the shopping basket, you know, the yeah. shopping cart, ordering, delivery uh, for bricks and mortar stores. What does the store look like on the inside? Is there inventory there? None of which is controlled by the contact center. And so it's really unfair because what happens is that, you know, if the NPS score is bad, people will look at the contact center and, and blame them for it. Or, or even worse, even worse. They'll use the NPS score to go and judge how the agent performed. So yeah, after the call right, is right. over with, they'll actually, or the chat is over, they'll actually try to, you know, they'll have the, have the customer fill out an NPS score type question right, or, or right. CSAT as well, which is more applicable. But an NPS type question really isn't because the thing is that, you know, the customer may say they won't recommend the organization, for instance, in the future, yeah. but it's not because of how the agent was. It was because of how the product might have been in a bricks and mortar store and okay. the agent has no control over that. Right. And you know what's worse, Randy, is that some contact centers will actually tie MPS scores to the overall contact center performance or even the individual agent. So things like shift bid preferences, bonuses can get tied to NPS, only a tiny portion of which is really controlled by the agent and by the contact center. So that's one of the biggest myths we really should debunk. That's awesome. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, the customer experience involves all organizations, mm -hmm. anybody that calls in. They probably want to talk to, I mean, they're not going to get to talk to everybody and all the way down to like the product management side and figuring out the UI fixes. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the contact center agent definitely gets the brunt of, of, of the calls. It's, uh, it's, it's tough and brunt of the complaints. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you're right. Uh, so that's definitely one of the myths that, you know, we haven't talked about. Um, so mm -hmm. thanks for sharing that. That's, that's really uh, interesting uh, insight and, and very valuable. Uh, if you agree with that myth around the CX... Uh, the CX myth that we just talked about in terms of the MPS score being only in the contact center or being um, owned by the contact center, let us know what you think. Uh, I'm sure all of you have opinions. Uh, if you're listening to this on the flip side, on, on demand, uh, let us know by using the hashtag CTM Unifor, that's CTM Unifor or CTM Podcast, and then uh, tag us. And we'd love to hear all about what you guys are, th are thinking about. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, we had one comment that came in. 
Hi from California. Yay, it's Mike. You rock. Uh, the community is. <laughs> Thank you. Is is, is, is you. clamoring for uh, for more Mike. All right, so we'll have to get you back on the podcast already. Okay. I mean, it's not even like ten minutes into it, and people already want you back. Okay, awesome. All right. Uh, so next, uh, we're going to go into our CX mailbag. Um, you know, I don't have an envelope here, but um, my podcast producer will make a envelope opening sound right now. And then uh, what we'll do is we will. Uh, take a look at our first question that came in from the community. So this first question that we have are, and we talked about this uh, beforehand, uh, Mike, uh, and right. it's, it's quite interesting. So what differences are you seeing in contact center agents from one generation to another? Well, you know, it's, it's a really interesting question to look at. And it's, it's, it's funny, and I, I want to be sure to clarify that I don't want to stereotype so again, right. every individual within a generation is different, but there are some yeah. trends of it that are seeing, you know, and taking place out there. And I think, you know, one of the trends that's there that's been commented upon by a lot of contact center leaders is the fact that with Gen Zs, so people that are currently in the workforce, usually under 25, so early 20s, early to mid 20s, uh, which, you know, when you think about contact centers, typically are the kinds of, of you know, age groups that a lot of contact centers tend to hire from just out of, out of school, you know, or first job in the workplace, entry level position. So yeah. typically in that age group, and, and it's interesting looking, you know, at that group. And my son's actually part of that group. He's a bit younger though. Uh, he's only 12, but again, it's really funny I find because, you know, he's got a phone. My wife and I actually got him a phone and he never makes phone calls. He, he texts, he watches <laughs> yeah. videos, he plays games, but he never makes phone calls. And he texts all of his friends. It's always in writing, thumb typing. And it's really interesting, though, because I find, you know, with, with you know, the older Gen Xs that are in the workforce now, even some of the younger millennials, yes. so even getting to the late 20s, is that they're wonderful at doing live chat. They're used to doing that very short, very quick response. They're able to have the personality come through in terms of how they type, what they type in, yeah. their use of emojis, things like that. So wonderful at live chat. They love it, too, okay, in terms of doing that great satisfaction, the chat cues. It's interesting, though, I find on the phone queue, though, compared to say, you know, I'm going to date myself with my generation, yeah. you know, as a teenager, I remember spending my time on the phone calling friends. If you want to go out on a Friday night, you call all your friends round <laughs> exactly. Robin to figure out what movie yeah. you're going to go see. Kids don't do that nowadays. They're actually using yeah. texting. And so great live chat skills. The challenge sometimes now is on the phone skill side, because you're asking someone now who isn't as used to using a telephone uh, and, and not at all for business communication yeah. to now talk and provide service on the phone queue to people who might be two or even three times their age, their parents or grandparents age. And there are challenges there. And so part of this is really recognizing the fact that as part of that onboarding and new hire process to go and now put in extra information about how to go and train people on phone skills, what to say, how to use their yeah. voice, also how to listen to their customer's voice to pick up nuances that are in the voice that, that wouldn't be in, a, in text in a, in a chat window. So how to go and do that. And as well to, to bolster their confidence. Yeah. Because it's really interesting when I do my training sessions with people, you know, and I, and I create a very secure, very safe environment. And people admit the fact that, you know, live phone calls are a little bit scary because you can't think about what you're going to type in next before you hit send. Okay. So it's, yeah. it's just so instant. That's a bit scary to them in some ways. And like anything else, it's just a matter of training and skills and practice. And it gets a lot easier, yeah. you know, and there's some wonderfully natural people at it, but I find generationally, it is a challenge typically now in some of the newer employees and they do need that extra phone skills training. All right. So training is super critical, no matter what generation you have. I mean, true. tell us, a, um, I mean, not to get into self-promotional, but we'll, we'll just do it anyways. Tell us okay. a, a little bit about your business and, and what you, how you provide that training uh, to organizations. 
Oh, sure. Well, I really focus in terms of training at the agent level and, and really being able to help them communicate effectively over the phone as well as in writing. But I find there's been a huge demand, especially in the last three to five years on the phone skills side of things. Yeah. And so it's really focused on that either, and I'll deliver it either in person or via webinar, but really focused on helping them build their phone skills, what they hear and what they pick up from that, and also how they, what they say and how they say it over the phone. So really focused awesome. on that. Yeah. And it's funny when, I, when you talk about some of the differences, what I find typically for older millennials and Gen Xs, there the challenge tends to be the opposite. Great phone skills, but now it's trying to really get the personality across in writing. And I've yeah. met some people that are wonderfully warm face-to-face -face, or in Zoom calls, wonderfully warm face-to-face -face in Zoom calls, <laughs> yeah. great phone voice. And they've been put in either the live chat queue or the email queue. And, and they're writing very, uh, very formally and, and in a very cold fashion. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of us learn to go and write, you know, high school, university, write essays, things like that. And so the temptation is to try to go and type live chat in that format, yeah. you know, complete yeah. sentences, perfect sentence structure, spelling. And it comes across at the other end as being really cold. Yeah. So they're almost the challenge. Like a, almost like a bot. I mean, it needs to be personal, right? It needs to be. It, it is. Perhaps in the in the first person versus the third person. They need to show well, exactly. their personality. Exactly. And, and, and that's a good point as well, you know, in terms of doing that, how the personality come across. And it's funny because people will type into, you know, some of the live chat cues when an agent responds back that formally, are you a human? Are you a robot? You know? <laughs> and when I ask that question in a, in a chat training, you know, how many of you have been asked that question? Almost every hand goes up at one point or another. Wow. That they've been asked, are you a bot? Yeah. So yeah. the voice is definitely still important. People prefer that. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll get into a CX mailbag question about that very soon. Um, so thanks for answering that question. Uh, thanks to the community for answering that or for asking that. Um, again, if you have any other questions, let us know. You can email us at podcast at unifor.com or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we are still there. Elon hasn't taken us down from Twitter. We are still there. We're having a good time. And uh, also on LinkedIn too. Um, so next question we're going to go to is similar to that, but you know, what is it taking to motivate agents today and improve the employer experience? Uh, I think that's something that we, uh, everyone needs in their job, some motivation they need to, you know, attach to the culture uh, mm -hmm. uh, of the company and feel like something bigger, uh, that they're working on something bigger and better mm -hmm. to kind of help the world. Um, what, right. what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you really hit the nail on the head as far as, you know, that sense of mission and purpose, you know, and, and you know, is the role being defined as simply the complaints department or is it defined <laughs> yeah. as really tying back to a bigger vision of some kind, both in terms of, you know, how each person's individual contribution is helping the overall organization, but also, you know, does it make a difference? You know, is it really helping people? Is it really helping to change things, you know, in, in that sense? And I think one of the frustrations there sometimes is, when it comes to, and I, you know, I felt this as well when I was online is, you know, that sense of because all you hear is a negative. So I'll yeah. give you an example for a lot of organizations, anywhere between one to 10% of their client base calls in each year. So typically fairly small amounts, all your customers yeah. don't call all the time. It may yeah. feel that way, but it's a very small percentage, you know, with that. And, and so, you know, the challenge that becomes the fact that it may only be 1% of your client base calling in per year, but it's 100% of the calls that your agents are taking. And, and they're typically questions, complaints, et cetera. Okay. And so it can almost have this brainwashing effect of making okay. a frontline agent feel like all I hear is negativity. All I hear is a complaint about that one product. It must yeah. be a bad product. And not having that frame of reference to think, well, no, 99% of the people love the product. And it's going great for them. It's only that 1% that's calling in, but it's 100% of your experience. Yeah. What happens with that, though, is is... The fact that it's really important for leaders then to try to counterbalance that negativity 
to okay. point out success stories, to share examples of positive customer comments, to give a sense of perspective about the fact that there are many happy customers out there. Okay. Yeah. And it really helped balance yeah. that off. Otherwise, it's really easy to feel beaten up or to feel like you, you, what you do doesn't make a difference because every day it's negative and every day the call, yeah. the queue is backed up, et cetera. Oh, it must be a terrible, you know, terrible product or whatever. <laughs> it's really important to counteract that. And I think sometimes you lose sight of that fact once you get off the front lines, but the fact that they're going through it. So just share the success stories, thanking people, you know, really important. Yeah. You know, it, I think that even ha should happen outside the contact center, right? Say you're in uh, in uh, engineering. How often do you actually hear how the product is being used? Mm -hmm. um, right. Hopefully your customer success team is, is communicating down out to all the employees, but um, especially in the contact center, like they, they sometimes are in this silo. You know, you go in, yes. you, you clock in your hours, especially if you're remote. You don't have, uh, you know, the attachment to the home office. Mm -hmm. So right. it definitely is, there needs to be a way of, of, uh, communicating back. So, um, great advice, great advice. And, uh, if you guys agree on that, definitely plus one, that one, and, uh, let us know uh, what you think. Um, I, I love, uh, I love, I love this discussion. This is, this is awesome. This is really, really helpful. All right. Uh, next one. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, pulled from the headlines. Um, uh, you remember that show on, uh, was it on NBC, the, the, uh, the, um, the crime show, uh, where it goes, Dun -dun. uh, oh, law and order law and order. Thank you. Okay. You know how to, yeah, exactly. I don't know why I couldn't even think of that one. Um, that was always pulled from the headlines. So this one is specifically pulled from the headlines. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, you know, for some of you in the United States, uh, frontier airlines was in the, in the news, uh, recently, and they decided to be like, you know what? we're not going to take any phone calls anymore and it'll all be digital channels. And so the question here is, you know, does voice really matter anymore? You know, do people even mm -hmm. care to, to call in and talk to someone or they just want to do chat? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You, it's funny when you look at what Frontier Airlines did because I mean, there are pros and cons to it in a sense, because Frontier Airlines is positioned as being a lower cost airline. Yeah. And if they can communicate the message as being, they're trying to go and keep, you know, airfares low by doing this. That's, that's one rationale. And the fact they're still offering service through digital channels. And, and some folks love digital channels. You know, they just want to get a quick answer to a question, not talk to a person, but actually just, you know, be able to have a chatbot respond quickly. Yeah. I, I think the challenge would be there with more complex issues. And some travel can get very emotional. If someone's stuck at the airport for like a day, if yeah. they can't make their connecting flight, it's, it's emotional. And so I think for that, voice does matter. The more yeah. complex the issue, the more emotional it is the more people want that higher touch of a human voice and a live person, not a robot. And where they have less patience for, you know, having to navigate through an FAQ or, or work through a chatbot of some kind. Yeah. So what I think is as a, for a low cost airline, as a, as a budgeting matter, it, it probably business, you know, makes business sense. Yeah. It may backfire a bit with them when it comes to some of the more extreme customer service issues. Yeah. And there may be stories coming up in the next few weeks or months <laughs> about some poor person stuck somewhere you know, really, you know, being really upset about the fact they can't get a live person. So yeah. it may backfire in the long run. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see if anybody from Frontier Airlines is out there in the world, or if you're a Frontier Airlines customer, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this uh, particular mm -hmm. item. Um, you know, they're not the only ones, right? I mean, I think there's other right. companies mm -hmm. that, are, that are doing that, right? I mean, they, they're the ones that got the press. Um, so right. we're not trying to, you know, throw them under the rug, as they say, uh, you know, I'm sure they're a, a great business and, um, you know, um, Love to kind of hear everyone's comments on that. Uh, we actually have a question from 
Mary Wardley, is there a new need among agents in a work from home environment? Mm, okay, all right. And, and in terms of looking at different needs that are there, I think one of the biggest things you kind of touched upon this, Randy, is that sense that when someone's working from home, working remotely, they feel disconnected from the office. Yeah. And it's really interesting to you with frontline agents because they're going to spend 80 or 90% of their time talking to people that don't work for the company, external people, customers, yeah. Yeah. and maybe 10% talking to their team leader, you know, or attending a town hall of some kind or having some yeah. connection with for an HR question. It's really easy for someone in that environment to feel disconnected. Presents challenges as far as employee engagement, right? Being able to help really, you know, make yeah. them feel welcome, employee retention as well. And I think one of the challenges when it comes to work from home, you know, especially as this now becomes permanent in a lot of organizations, yeah. is to really train the next layer up, which is the team leader layer on how to go and build engagement. I mean, when you yeah. think about it, typically your team lead is a really great agent, okay, that actually got promoted to team lead and is now right. has, has had that experience be, before, right? And then exactly. is now uh, mm-hmm. managing a team, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry exactly. No, no, that's okay. But you're right about that. They're usually promoted because they understand how to help customers and they understand how to go and use the software, the apps, et cetera. They can help coach their agents on that. But they also need to be trained, though, first on, on how to coach, but also how to engage. And coach training has been going on for a number of years, but there's really opportun- an opportunity there to go and train frontline team leaders on how to go and engage their employees, how to engage their agents, and how to go and do it remotely as well in that work-from-home environment. You know, it's not just a matter of... of you know, having a coaching session or a meeting and talk a team meeting and talking about stats and, and techniques. Yeah. It's also for that team leader to go and learn how to really, you know, connect with someone one-on-one via, you know, Zoom or Teams or whatever yeah. and help build that engagement. What do they know about the individual agent? How can they actually make the agent feel valued? And, and not just at that level, even further up with the management level, you know, how do they communicate good news? What do they do to help encourage people? What do they do to help celebrate successes? You know, with that, how do you brag for, you know, how does an agent brag for another agent that they've heard or, or themselves as well? Yeah. You know, so this is there's this whole environment now with work from home and a whole support system that is really needed to go make those agents feel engaged. Otherwise, it's really easy to lose. And for a yeah. work from home agent, think about it this way, Randy, for a work from home agent, if they want to switch jobs, it's literally as easy as just changing your VPN to another employer, <laughs> right? Yeah, same living room, same yeah, coffee that's, table, that's, right? That's true. Not even that's a new route to work. Yeah, that's right. There's no commute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the information superhighway. Yeah, work with somebody else. It's really easy to lose people yeah. now. So yeah. Hey, um, what you just talked about uh, reminded me of a previous podcast that we did with Dave Seaton. He, oh yeah, uh, CX expert as well as the EQ expert. And so mm-hmm. we have a, a blog series that we did on our website, and we also did a podcast with him around emotional intelligence and how that's important as a leader in leading your team. So especially when you're remote. Um, that is super key. And we also talked with Sandra Thompson, uh, based out of the UK, and she talked uh, a lot uh, on our podcast about hybrid work and emotional intelligence and how those two are mm-hmm. interconnected. So it's definitely a, a, a need for that skill set. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people ask, you know, can emotional intelligence be trained? Can you be coached on that? Uh, or is it something natural? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's 90 10, 90, 10, 90% trained, 10% natural. At least in my mind, so <clears throat> good stuff. Well, there are different, stuff. there are definite skills for sure. Yeah, that was a great question, Mary. Thanks for asking that. All right, uh, another comment. This is a great webinar. Amazing insights, Mike. So thanks uh, for sharing Thank that. Uh, we'll get on to some. Uh, I think we're 
Let's see if there's any other questions. Yeah, we got one more question. Awesome. Uh, if you guys have any more questions, let us know. Put it in the comments. Thanks for all the great uh, comments in so far. This is awesome to see everyone's. Let's take that one off. Um, uh, everyone's uh, engagement on this. Uh, this is, you know, we're, we're in December here. We're excited for the holidays to come up. It's uh, going to be a, a pretty big for the healthcare industry in terms of contact center agents for the retail side of business, mm-hmm. uh, for telecom, people renewing their phones. Like agents are, are going to be super busy uh, this holiday season. So we're here to support the agents and have them become, as we say, you know, superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So next is a question that, you know, I, I think we've dealt with it together in terms of networking. That's how we met. You know, we met through different organizations, um, but this one was great. Uh, this is a question that um, I wanted to, to ask you. It's kind of my own question. What is the best way to network okay. with other contact center leaders? Because right. uh, okay. there, I think you have a lot of insight in that. So uh, please share. I kind of well, how do contact center leaders start? <laughs> sometimes they siloed. You know, leaders sometimes feel like they don't have the ability to talk mm-hmm. to anyone because everyone's talking behind their backs. <laughs> but this is an opportunity for leaders to connect with one another. So uh, some thoughts on that. Well, you know, Randy, I think, I think it's really critically important because, you know, as, as leaders develop, as you move the organization, typically, you're right, they have fewer and fewer peers to talk to. And by the time that the VP, EVP level, there is nobody else at that level in the contact center to go and talk to. And so, you know, networking is so crucial. And, you know, there, it's interesting because I find that almost every region in, in Canada and the U.S. typically has a contact center association of some kind. Like yeah. in Toronto, we have GTAC, the Greater Toronto Area Contact Center Association, and I volunteer on the board of that. And, and you know, every pretty much every region has them, you know, in terms of different contact centers yeah. I mean, and different organizations like SOCAP, for instance, also bigger national ones like ICMI, CCW, you know, things like that. So it's just a really great opportunity there for people to get involved in those organizations and, you know, attend a webinar, you know, attend a live conference, have a chance to go meet your peers and build those connections yeah. and talk. And they're really great environments for doing that. All right. Our goal, yeah. Mike, in 2023 is that we are going to meet in person. I that's, agree. That's I love that. I agree. <laughs> if you're in Toronto <laughs> or if I can get to California, yes. Yeah. We'll be in the middle. I'll fly to Toronto, yeah. whatever it is. I got coworkers yeah. up there. Maybe I can make a mm-hmm. Canada offsite. Um, mm-hmm. We, we got to do that, man. It's, just, it's yeah. been so long in coming. So hopefully uh, we can make it happen in 2023. Well, exactly. And I was just going to add to that as well, because you're right. It's, it's just really, you know, great. It's interesting too, because you and I have actually never met face to face. We've interacted so much over, over, you know, over LinkedIn and, you know, over different podcasts and, and, you know, also mutually attending conferences, you yeah. know, like GTAC, et cetera. So it's just interesting because, you know, you can also build those connections virtually and LinkedIn's a great tool for that, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely not going to say no to that because I use LinkedIn all day, every day, probably a little too much. All right. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> All right. Uh, so those are the questions that we have for today. Uh, I don't see any other questions coming in uh, on our LinkedIn live today. For those on demand, again, send us an email at podcasts at unifor.com. We'll have another CX mailbag series coming up fairly soon, and we'd love to uh, a- ask questions on that. Um, the one topic that we're going to be talking about in the next CX mailbag is customer journeys. So we want to hear your questions around customer journeys. You know, if you're struggling with one, if you're like not sure how to start, like let us know uh, your experience on creating a customer journey, getting executive buy-in, 
on just making sure it maps back to your overall business objectives and that it's constantly updated. So let us know about that because that will be a good one to come in. So podcast at Unifor.com or tag us on, on Twitter at Unifor or just use the hashtag CTM Unifor CTM podcast. All right. Uh, now we're going to do some rapid fire, Mike. Uh, so these okay. are just some questions okay. uh, that we want to just get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so first one that we always ask our our folks in the podcast, uh, our guests in the podcast is, what is one person, a celebrity, dead or alive, that you would like that can answer your phone call when you're calling a customer service line at contact center, that oh, can answer right. and just kind of make sure that everything is all taken care of and you're good to go? Who is that one person? Hmm. I just said the first thought that came to mind was Morgan Freeman, a very authoritative <clears throat> but very warm voice. Whatever he said, I'd be like, okay, that must be the truth. Okay, so Morgan Freeman. <laughs> As and far as he, phone voice. <clears throat> I love that. And then maybe afterwards he can uh, do a, a whole documentary on uh, contact <laughs> yes. center agents, right? I mean, that would be awesome. There you go. Yep. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, next one is, uh, what's the last book that you read? Hmm. There's an interesting one. It was um, Do Work Better, okay, which was a little bit about how to go and help prioritize, kind of help, you know, work better on things and, and help improve your own workflow and performance. All right, that's awesome. All right, we'll have to look that up on Amazon, your favorite bookstore. Uh, what's one thing not on your LinkedIn profile? Uh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, I guess. It might All be right. on, I don't know, nice. but I am. Oh, which Star Trek? Which What are we talking about? Like like the the OG or are we talking about Next Generation? Like what are we talking Pretty about? Pretty much all of them. I mean, obviously, okay. you know, the, the original series, right? But the Next Generation, you know, as well. Even not all, I have to say, not all the latest ones. But, uh, you know, I think probably, uh, you know, Strange New Worlds. Okay, which again is more like the original series, but they yeah. um, sort of that more you know episodic kind of of, uh, of a series. All right, if there's any uh, Trekkie fans out there listening to the podcast, let us know in the comments. All right, and uh, best day. What's your best day? What was it, what does it look like if you had a best day? How would you describe? I think it? just spending time with my wife and my son, you know, and having a chance just to go out and do stuff and and just enjoying that. I'm really I'm really lucky and really blessed. So I've got a wonderful wife, and you know, my son's doing super well. So. Awesome. Yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, so to, to end on it, uh, we want to give you the airwaves. Uh, and, you know, what's what is something that you need from the community? How can people reach you? Uh, please, please share. Oh, sure. Um, I, I guess one thing is, you know, I, I write a lot of articles on the contact center industry. So if there's any questions that anyone has or, or would like to go get more information, about, it'll give me a great idea to you know, do research and, and write an article about that. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, and as far as anybody reaching me, you can reach me through LinkedIn. Uh, and again, my profile is in there. So it's Mike Aoki, just like it's spelled there in the window, uh, A-O-K-I, or in Twitter as well, at, at Mike Aoki as a, as a username. And it'd be great to go and connect. I always like meeting other people within our industry. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mike. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I had a great time. And, uh, you know, for all those listening, um, let's give Mike uh, a few shout outs. If you find him on LinkedIn or Twitter, definitely follow him and connect with him. Uh, so that's the end of this podcast today. And we're super excited for our next few episodes. We've got some really great guests in line and we want to hear from you. Who should we be talking to? Who are the people that are moving the needle in the contact center world? We want them on our podcast. We want to hear the day in the life of their of their of their contact center organization and their leadership. So email us at podcast at unifor.com.
And make sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast directory. And if you get a chance to write a review, it always helps us and also gives us some great feedback. So thanks everyone for joining. This has been another LinkedIn Live, Live with Unifor. I'm Randy Kassar signing out. Thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Randy. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations That Matter. Subscribe to our podcast for more great content. And if you want to learn more about the topic we discussed, visit unifor.com today.